The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi again, everyone. Welcome to the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm here, Raj Geary. Uh, Glenn is not with us this week. Uh, he will be back next week. But joining us today is CBS Sports' Chuck Carroll. Chuck, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Raj. Happy, uh, happy to be here, filling in for Glenn this week. Honored to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining us, and uh, we, uh, we're happy to have you again. Uh, what's been going on over uh, with at CBS Sports? I know you recently interviewed the Young Bucks. Uh, anything since that? Uh, yeah, I, I got an interview coming out tomorrow, as a matter of fact, with Kane. I caught up with him. He's uh, he's hot on the campaign trail out there in Tennessee, wants to become mayor of Knox County. Um, got some interesting tidbits coming, asked him about his future in WWE. Um, but really, what I really came uh, out of that interview with was this guy is seriously passionate about his politics. He cares about it. Uh, and he knows what he's talking about. Like, that's the most important thing. This is not a Donald Trump celebrity running for office situation. This guy actually knows what he's talking about and laid out his uh, his plans if he gets into office. It was really, really a unique half-hour conversation. Yeah, it's always interesting with, uh, with Kane because you hear so many people talk about his politics. And regardless of which side, uh, people are very impressed with how much he knows and, and his views. I mean, Daniel Bryan, who's... Uh, pretty far to the left, really, you know, praised uh, Glenn with, you know, his political know-how and, and you know, uh, kind of changing his opinion on a few things. So, Absolutely. Um, and that's not- Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, like, the best nugget coming out of that was uh, when I asked him about what it's like to go door to door and try to drum up support as big as he is. Like, what is the reaction of people when they open the door and there's this just giant standing there with a grin on his face asking for a vote? Hysterical stories. Hysterical. (laughs) I'm sure. I think a lot of people (laughs) would think they're getting busted or something. (laughs) Uh, Well, cool. Well, let's uh, let's get right into last night's Smackdown. What do you think of the show? Uh, overall, I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, the the thing that uh, obviously the show was built around was the Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon feud. Obviously, Kevin Owens has kind of taken his heel turn to uh, a whole other level. Like now he's gone from being just a jerk to being a full blown, you know, just just hellacious. I don't I don't know what the language barrier is on this show, but uh, there's Anything a couple of say. there's a couple of four letter words to describe how he is. But he plays the part really, really well, and it's built up this match with Shane McMahon at Hell in a Cell that I think is really uh, it's going to get some WWE Network uh, purchases. I will tell you that. Yeah, I think uh, Owens. I mean, he's always had it in him. It's just the right storyline, and I think uh, he's just running away with this one. I think he's the hottest uh, hottest guy on SmackDown for sure. 
Um, now let me let me ask you this: When they announced that it was going to be Owens versus Sami Zayn again, did you kind of be like, "Man, we've done this so many times. Why can't we have a new dance?" Because that was the feeling that I got. Yeah, and they said like, uh, didn't they say something like for the first time ever on SmackDown? Uh, maybe something like that. <laughs> just hearing the first time ever with Sammy and Kevin, it's just like, oh man, here we go. But yeah, to their credit, the match was entertaining, and it, it told it, it and it furthered the storyline. So absolutely, absolutely. What were your takeaways? I thought it was good. Um, yeah, you know, outside of the Owens McMahon stuff, I thought it was just kind of kind of running in place. Like, uh, I, I like the, you know, the rude interfering with Ziggler. I think, you know, we had been talking about that happening for first a couple of weeks now. So at least you had the payoff on the redundant storylines that they were doing. Uh, yeah. Same thing with the gender and Nakamura, although I don't know. Uh, I, I, I do not care about that feud at all. And, uh, but, uh, overall I thought it was an entertaining show. Yeah, the, it, it was interesting to see the contrast in Jinder's promo this week versus what it was last week and all of the brouhaha that came from that. I found that it was a much more toned down promo this week from Jinder. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. He gave, you know, it was minus the racism this week. It's kind of the same promo as the last two weeks minus the racism. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's always a good thing, I think. Um all right, well, so yeah, so tonight's SmackDown, it opened uh, looking at the feud between Owens and Shane McMahon. I thought the video package was awesome. Uh, and yeah, Owens came out, uh, said that Shane McMahon would respond, but he wasn't there yet. Uh, you know, ripping into Shane says, you saw what I did to Vince, and I respect him. Imagine what I'll do to you, which I thought was just great. And uh, then Sammy came out. You know, we talked about this a minute ago. When Sammy came out, I was like, oh, God, not again. Yep. But uh you know, it worked out. He's, you know, he he made the point that Owens is losing control. He's kind of going nuts. And, uh, you know, Owens, instead of backing down like they usually do in the past, you know, got in his face. Dan O'Brien came out and then made the match for tonight. Uh, what did you think of this opening segment? Uh, I thought that it was it was pretty good. I mean, this was, as you said, the, you know, the main event of the show, so to speak, you know, from start to finish. This is what the show was built around. Um, again, outside of the Sami Zayn angle, I thought that this was pretty, pretty good. I mean, Kevin Owens plays this part so freaking well. I can't imagine anybody else on the roster, Raw or SmackDown side, that could pull this off as effectively as he can. So when he's in the ring and he's on the mic, I'm all in for it. Right. Yeah, I I, th I thought he was great, and and it's it's impressive that Vince put him over so strongly because he's there's only a handful of guys he's done that with, and and Owens doesn't really fit that bill of the guys he's done that for. So uh, that was something. It kind of makes you wonder. I mean, you see the torch getting passed to Roman Reigns on Monday nights. Essentially, do you kind of see Kevin Owens taking up that role on the Blue Brand for the time being? I don't know. I don't know if it's so much that or just to add more interest in Shane's program. Like, was it more for Shane or was it more for Kevin? And uh, when there's a McMahon involved, usually it's it's for the McMahon. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Faircoy family first, man. <laughs> uh, so then the first match, we had Ty Dillinger versus Baron Corbin. Uh, Corbin gets distracted by AJ Styles at one point, um, then th throws some water on him. Uh he ends up winning by he throws Ty into AJ uh, wins the, the match by a 10 count kind of ironic yeah. uh, by count out and uh, and then they announced I, it seemed like with this and and the last couple of weeks it almost seemed like they were going to do a three-way at Hell in a Cell but 
Uh, for now, they announced, you know, Baron Corbin versus AJ at Hell in a Cell. Uh, what do you think of this um, this match and and just this feud in general? Two things uh, I came away with. One, uh, I thought that they needed to do a better job of laying Dillinger out on the outside because. I kept thinking there's no way he's going to make it. Uh, he's There's no way he's not going to make it back in for the 10 count just being tossed over the table. I believe that that is what it was. I was like, yeah. come on, come on, man. You should be back in there by five at the latest. Uh, but two, I, I mean, no offense to Baron Corbin, but this guy has never done anything for me, and he continues to do nothing for me. I will give him an attaboy for improving his promo skills a little bit, but but that character to me is just flat so whatever program that they put him in i'm just like whatever <laughs> yeah. on to the next yeah i agree and I, I feel like it kind of brings aj down too because yeah, it makes him seem like a little less of, of a star and, and not a, a main eventer uh when he totally could be i think that you know just from a match quality standpoint aj versus ty dillinger at a pay-per-view would be much 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 more entertaining than putting him in the ring with baron corbin yeah I just, I just hope, uh, you know, we had the AJ versus Kevin Owens feud already, but for the world title, I think that would be a, that'd be a money feud and, and get some interest back in the, in the main championship. Is this whole Baron Corbin thing just because he's a big guy in WWE, despite the presence of the cruiserweights now and the whole Daniel Bryan thing? Is it just because Baron Corbin is a big guy that he continues to, to get this little push? Uh, let me ask you this. Do you think he'd be getting it if he was a foot shorter? Touche. <laughs> uh, Touche. Uh, I know my five foot six ass would not be getting a push in WWE. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, in WWE, as time has always shown, uh, height is more important than physique in, in a lot of ways. Like a yeah. tall guy is going to get a push over, you know, someone like an Apollo Crews who's got a great physique, but is shorter. Um, right. And Corbin, yeah, I mean, his promos have you know they're they're hit or miss mostly miss um but you know he's got a he's got a presence and and that does count for something but outside sure. of that uh yeah he he hasn't really uh, you know uh sh- shown to be worthy of, of where he is and uh Ty Dillinger unfortunately um you kind of see where they have him slotted yeah that's a shame man cuz he came in and i mean everybody was behind him with the 10 and now it's just like you got him in mid card at best and so if he wasn't in this match last night against uh Baron Corbin i'm not sure where in the world he would have been because clearly he's not in their their plans for this this match at the pay-per-view yeah uh so next uh next we went to Jinder Mahal he's with the Singh brothers are walking backstage uh, they said he's, they were gonna, he was going to address his uh, controversial comments from last week. Never really did. Uh, he just came out and kind of did the same promo he's been cutting on Shinsuke Nakamura for the last couple of weeks. Uh, just minus the racism. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, finally this week you get a little bit of the payoff. Um, one of the photos, he, you know, he's showing Nakamura making the, the faces. And then there was one It was actually Nakamura. That was kind of a cool little twist. Absolutely, absolutely. I, that that was very cool at the end. And, you know, just the little subtle movements that he did at first and kind of played it like up. Like just the finger? Yeah, I was like, I'm on board with this. This is very well done. Right. Very well done. Yeah, that was that was really cool. And so uh, lights go out. He came out, uh, beat up the Singh brothers. Jinder uh, got control for a little bit, but ultimately uh, ended up taking the Kinshasa. So, uh that was your payoff. Uh, 
for the, you know for the last few weeks. Do you, you know, like? Do you like the way that they've been using gender? Uh, you know, a lot of times when somebody's got the strap, I mean, they'll be wrestling week in and week out, you know, on either Monday or Tuesday night. But gender, that that really hasn't been the case. I kind of like the way that that he's been used sparingly outside of pay-per-views as far as entering action. I mean, they've really protected him. I mean, he's I think he's lost one time by pin uh, yeah. since he won the title, which, you know, they, they don't put tech many world champions like that unless you're a brock or you know someone like that yeah um i've had a couple problems with it i think the fact that the world champion is never in the the last segment uh it's always like in the middle of the show and yeah i think if if you want to make you know the t title be the the major thing it should be at least some weeks at the end and and not always at the middle uh i don't like the xenophobic stuff i think it's just outdated it just comes across as uh the same thing they've been doing for you know forever yeah and um but you know i think gender's got a presence they i think he could be something but uh, this is something we've talked about a lot i just think uh they pushed him too quick they should have probably put him in a u.s title feud have him work with some like good workers because he's not used to working long matches like long main event matches you you get him in with the Sami Zayn uh, for the u.s title get that experience working long matches and then you want to do the push the world title, you know, go ahead. Sure. But, sure. Um, do you remember exactly him on the show? He was, was he at the top of the nine? Is that when he was? Because what I'm seeing with WWE, the pattern is, yeah, they'll refer to the main event as the main event. But if you notice at the top of every hour, they've got something pretty spectacular going on, or at least they try to. Right. But that's usually more raw during football season. Um, because outside of football season, it's, you know, the, the most important thing is usually on last. Right. Um, on SmackDown, I think they've been keeping the, the, the most important, you know, match at the end. But, yeah, this was, uh, this was yeah, I think, at the, at the end of the first hour. Yeah. So, but you're right. You, they usually do the, you know, the start of each hour with something big or, you know, or the end. So, um, but, you know, I think being on last every now and then would, would probably do them some good. I agree. And what what does that say to the confidence that they have in him as a champion? Obviously, their their eyes are on building up a subscriber base in India, but here in the U.S., does that mean that they recognize that he's not exactly the best choice to be carrying the title right now? Is that what that is? I don't know because they've stuck with it for so long. Um, I mean, it could end in a couple of weeks. I think that would be the right move right now, uh, right. just because. Um, you look at the attendance for SmackDown, and granted, it does go down this quarter. It, it does go down in the fall, but it, it's dropping to new levels this year that it hasn't been before. And and not just, I mean, it's happening on Raw too, but at SmackDown, it's, it's more glaring. And this is something we've talked about in the past where uh, WWE, when they, once they go out of their way to make a brand, the B show, you see the attendance start falling. Then the paper right. stop fall, I mean, start falling. Then they start, you know, crisscrossing talents between the two and then sooner or later the brand is done this is what happened last time and you're, you're starting to see that pattern happening again is it too difficult to maintain uh, really discreet rosters and and shows and there's just not enough creative juice to go around or is it that they really just want to put all their eggs in the monday night basket yeah i, I mean that definitely appears to be what they're doing and you know, something we mentioned on, you know, with Matt Morgan on, on Sunday's podcast is you got guys that are underutilized on Raw right now, like Finn Balor or Jeff Hardy, or Jeff Hardy before he got injured, uh, that could be big players. And, and they could really add a spark to SmackDown. But um, instead, they're, you know, mid-card on Raw. 
uh, when SmackDown could really use him. I agree. I agree. I think that Jeff Hardy actually as a singles competitor would do quite well on the blue brand. Yeah, I think if you separated him and Matt, had Matt do his own thing, I don't know what they can do legally, but, uh, you know, Matt's reinvented himself several times in the past, so come up with something different, but I think it, Jeff Hardy's just a superstar. You see his reactions. Uh, you saw it when he wrestled the Miz. He's an he's, he's a underutilized big name. A big name, but, you know, you get to thinking that when WWE brings these legends back, no matter who it is, ultimately their their job is to put over the younger generation. Uh, and so I would think that regardless of whether he's a singles or a tag team competitor, that's exactly the role that he's going to wind up playing. I mean, you, we've seen it time and time and time again. I mean, look at look at the Dudley boys, you know, fairly recently. Mickey James currently. I mean, all they are is you know, bringing up the, the next generation, could you actually see Jeff Hardy getting an extended title run like he had during his first tenure with WWE? Uh, you know, it's just, it's all that, it's all perception, right? WWE sees him that way. But Jeff Hardy is the same age as AJ Styles, you know? Touche. And so AJ gets pushed, but, you know, uh, they keep mentioning Jeff Hardy as a nostalgia act. Because, um, yeah, I think... I think it's just also effectively using them. Because I do think at some point when a, a talent starts getting older, they should be putting over a, a younger talent. But when they do it every week, the effectiveness is lost. Sure. So get them some wins, get them hot, and then lose a big feud to an up-and-comer, then that helps make the up-and-comer. But you don't really see that happening. You saw that when Rob Van Dam was there, he just lost every week, and it, it didn't mean anything to beat someone like him. Right. But we digress. <laughs> Next up, we had the Hype Brothers versus the Usos. Uh, they had a uh, the Hype Brothers had a little timing issue and you know a little malfunction there at the end, and it led to the Usos picking up the win. So I'm not sure if it, this is going to lead to Zack Ryder and Mojo feuding or turning heel. Um, but you know, there's or you know uh, Zack Ryder throwing Mojo through a, a plate glass window. <laughs> but I don't think they'll be teaming early next year. No, I kind of wonder how quickly they're going to follow through with with splitting them. Like, I was actually thinking they were going to try to rush it and get those two to face each other at the pay-per-view um, last night. I don't think that they can do that with one week to go because next week is the go-home show. That would be a mistake, but maybe it's Survivor Series. Yeah, but do you see them giving that feud much importance? I could see them do it like with Goldust and R-Truth where they do the split and and then uh, it just kind of fades away really quick. It's not a big deal. Um, well, it goes to where they're being used now. I mean, look at it. You know, you, you don't see the Hype Brothers in uh, in the main event. I mean, that's that's just a fact of the matter. It would be a nice mid-card feud, but it's never going to get that significant time that perhaps it deserves. Yeah, and because of that, I could easily see them doing the split one week and then on social media announcing that that's the kickoff match. Oh, God. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, the Usos New Day. Uh, New Day, I thought were... I love that Biggie had the microphone and the popcorn. Yep. And then, I mean, these guys have been having sensational matches, and now their match at Hell in the Cell will be inside the cell, which is the first time I can think of that you've had a tag team in the cell that's not like a superstar, that's not like DX. Um, I can't remember. Can you think off the top of your head when they've, they've done that before? Not for the tag titles. Not No, no, I can't. The, yeah, the cell is typically reserved for singles matches. 
Yeah, I thought they. I think they might have done DX against Legacy, but again, that's DX. It's kind of a different, uh, different story. But yeah, so the Usos, uh, New Day. I'm sure they're going to do a ton of crazy stuff, but that's yeah. going to be in the cell. Uh, you know, the, between that and Shane and Owens, I know people like roll their eyes a lot of times when they hear Shane, but Shane and AJ probably had the best match at WrestleMania. I mean, yep. Shane always does something spectacular. So uh, it usually ends up being better than you expect. I have no problem with Shane McMahon inside of a cage. Never have, never will. This man has proven that time and time and time again. So you can say, oh, it's Shane McMahon. And I'm going to say, oh, it's right. Shane McMahon. Let's get on board with this. Um, but going back to the tag title, I have high hopes for the New Day and the Usos inside of the cell. I really, really do. Uh, I think that this is going to be a memorable match. And outside of uh, Shane McMahon and, and Kevin Owens, I, I really think that this is a candidate for match of the night. Maybe they even steal it because they are going to do some crazy stuff. The Usos are hungry. And the New Day, I mean, they're still hungry. They've been pushing the accelerator full throttle since they got there. So too have the Usos. So I got high hopes for this one, man. Yeah, I think if you look back at their last couple of pay-per-view matches, you, you can argue they were the match of the night. They didn't have yep. the same storyline, like the same kind of anticipation. But by the end, the fans were going nuts. And these guys just can bring it every time. Uh, you know, there's the, there's the issue of where you go from here. <laughs> there's not many tag teams. You got uh, Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable, which that would, uh, you know, that would suggest an Usos win. But um, right. Yeah, it, the tag division's a little weak outside of the, the top guys. What can even, is there even any prospects that could come in and, and, and shore up that, that tag division right now? I mean, the Authors of Pain have been ru rumored to come to the SmackDown uh, brand, and I guess that would be something for the New Day. Right. Um, and it would definitely freshen it up. And if you did that, and then the Usos with Benjamin and, and Gable and gave that a real storyline as opposed to a throwaway secondary feud... I think you might have something there. I think WWE actually needs to look outside of its own auspices and, and try to get, you know, somebody like a war machine or something like that to come in because you, you do need that big badass tag team to kind of like make that division interesting again. Otherwise you're going to be slapping two random guys together every week and that just never works. Right. No, absolutely. Uh, so after that, um, we had, Let's see, we had the Rusev celebration. I thought Aiden English stole this. Was he, uh, <laughs> was he singing the Bulgarian national anthem? Is that what? I think that's what it was. I, I mean, that's what I was told. That's what they sold on TV. I personally could not tell you whether or not that was indeed the, <laughs> the national anthem of Bulgaria. Like, I, I wouldn't guess that Aiden English spoke Bulgarian, but uh, I don't know if he just learned it uh, that day. But man, he was uh, he was fantastic in this. Dude's got some pipes. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and they're they're really featuring him, which you know that singing thing, uh, it it might work. You know, they're doing the same thing with Elias, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Aiden English greater than Elias. <laughs> no doubt about that. Yeah, my guess is they have higher hopes for Elias, just based on again the height thing and 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 the physique. But uh, Aiden, uh, Aiden's no slouch either. No, I mean, look, as long as you find a role and, and the audience is, uh, receives it well and, and you're content there, I mean, you don't have to be the biggest wrestler in the world. I mean, look at, um, 
heck, you don't even really have to be a wrestler. I mean, one of the most popular guys for years in WWE was Armando Alejandro Estrada, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, he just had a mic every week, you know, same deal with Paul Heyman. So if Aiden English wants to go that route and then wrestle the whole match, I think he would do just fine in all honesty. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him paired up with Rusev as, as, as something, maybe not a tag team, but like a little, you know, not, not necessarily a, a stable, but you know, they're like buddies behind the scenes and do stuff every now and then. Sure. Um, sure. So, yeah, so you had Rusev. Uh, so Aiden English was singing the Bulgarian national anthem, the mayor of, uh, Plovdiv. Am I saying that right? We'll, we'll go with that. Well, yeah. Why not? <laughs> it was the supposed mayor was, uh, there, uh, proclaiming today to be Rusev Day. Uh, Rusev comes, uh, stands on top of the flag box. Um, you know, he raises his hands and talks about his win over Orton. Um, and then, you know, Orton makes a surprise appearance, RKO. So Orton was hiding under the ring during this segment. Yeah. Uh, came out, delivered the RKOs, and and that was it. Um, and then uh, later, Orton challenged Rusev to a match at Hell in a Cell. Did uh, did you see the the mayor kind of linger in the ring a little bit too long, and Rusev having to you know tell him to get out, legitimately get out of the ring because he was really slow and awkward to to leave. And you know here's Orton in the ring, ready to kick ass and throw the RKOs, but you know you got Joe Mayer over there in the corner just you know taking up space. Yeah, Rusev always has these problems with these actors that they find. Because remember that lawyer that he had that one time? Yep. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I'm sure Orton is like, man, that guy better get out quick, or he's gonna he's gonna learn how to take an RKO. Absolutely. But uh, so yeah, so another match for Hell in the Cell, and uh, then we had Sammy backstage with Daniel Bryan. He was pleading for Shane not to get involved with the match because he's getting Owens anyway. Uh, and then we had Charlotte versus Carmella. Um, yeah, uh, what do you th- what do you think of this? Uh, I like I like it. I mean, Carmella continues to, you know, impress uh, me. She won me over. She initially was one that I was like, really? You're going to give her the money in the bank? Like, come on, we could do so much better. But she's really grown. And, and you know, I got to take my hat off to her. She's she's really become fantastic. Anytime you put Charlotte in the ring, I mean, you're just going to get a quality piece of work out of her. So I had no problem whatsoever with this. Would I say it's memorable? No, but you know, it was, uh, it was better than adequate. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah. I think Carmela has been doing a great job working on her character and everything. <laughs> she brought James Ellsworth out in a dog collar and, and tied him up to the ring post. Um, but for some reasons, it's just something when Carmela's in a match, I just kind of tune out once the match starts. And, it, uh, it, is it because of her workability or, or what is it about the character that, that isn't connecting with you? I don't know. It's just, uh, she just, uh, doesn't do much in the ring that gets me interested. It's just kind of, I don't know. It's just kind of like the basics and, and Charlotte's the opposite. I think Charlotte's um, uh, miscast a little as a baby face. I think she's a natural heel and so great in that role and is the best at that role of, of all sure. the women. Sure. Um, but yeah, when uh, Carmela and it's, it's, she can be with the most entertaining person, but once the match starts, I just kind of, just kind of tune out. Um, you know, she, she has gotten better. I mean, even if For that's, sure. uh, even if that's your bathroom break, I, I can assure you that uh, <laughs> she, she is much better than she was even a month ago. Oh, no, so. for sure. Oh, for sure. And, and this match was, I mean, it was fine. There was nothing, there was nothing wrong with it. Right. Uh, Charlie got the win. Um, Natalia came out and interrupted. 
And this is another one I think is miscast. I think Natalia is such a natural baby face. Um, yeah. She said that she's happy to know that Ric Flair is doing better. And right here I cringe because I'm like, oh, God, please don't already, uh, you know, use that to get heat on Natalia and have her say something, you know, like, well, I wish he wasn't or something like that. But thank thank goodness they didn't go that route. Uh, right. She just said that, you know, she, her dad will be watching uh, her get her ass kicked at Helen's cell, <laughs> you know. That was a, that was a decent lie, man. I didn't have a problem with that, but I do yeah. agree. I mean, Natalia is so sugary sweet. I mean, I've spoken with her on a couple of occasions, and she is exactly who you would think that she is. I mean, this girl couldn't be any more sweet if she was candy. Um, and so this whole heel persona that they're trying to get her to do, it is so forced. And that's not a knock against her. She's just doing what she's being told. But, I mean, they'd really, really be much better off flipping Charlotte back to a heel and Natty back to a face. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, it was announced that the Fashion Files will return next, next week. You think they're ever going to reveal who attacked Brizengo? I hope so. You know, I hope that – I know uh, that I read that uh, it's supposed to be Harper and Rowan, so maybe, just maybe, it will finally uh, lead to that. Does it take some of the buzz off, though, having them be revealed in, in a comedy segment? Regardless of how they do it, you know, the fact that <laughs> – it's in the fashion files if they do that reveal. Yes and no, because the fashion files were really, really popular. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I think that they should have done the reveal already. I think that when they had Arn Anderson there uh, as the reveal at one point, it was kind of like, this is done now. Where where do you go from here? And then, you know, they, they took time off. So... I mean, this whole Fashion Files thing is done. I hope that they come back strong with it. They taped it last night, but I don't know, man. I don't know what to expect of that moving forward. Do you have high hopes that it can be what it was, or do you think that this is just going to be another forced thing on the WWE universe? I think, well, the fans are digging it right now. Uh, I think as as long as they, um, as long as they stick with it as a, a segment uh, here and there, every week we'll get it. Uh, will be overkill. And so, uh, you know, the fact that they haven't been doing it the last couple of weeks, I think is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they, I think if they do the reveal for Eric Rohn and Luke Harper, it should be in the ring, not in the segment. Agreed. Uh, or backstage or something. Um, but yeah, I think the fashion files are over, so might as well go with it. And it gives Rowan and, and Harper something to do if, if that's the way they decide to go. Um, so we'll see. Oh. How quickly would you get that done? Obviously, this is on the go-home show, so do they rush this through to the pay-per-view? Gosh, if they don't, I mean, I guess they could wait a week and then build for that for, for Survivor Series. I don't know. Survivor Series is going to be a pretty packed card. Yeah. So if they do it, do it at Survivor Series, I, I don't see it being uh, past the kickoff match. And, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like the timing was way off on this. Wait, they waited way too long. And uh, to, to the point where, I don't know. I could see a scenario where they they set it up for the big reveal to be at Hell in a Cell. That's kind of what I would envision happening here, as opposed to having that reveal on Tuesday. You know, give yeah. somebody an incentive to to subscribe and see what's happening. If they go that route, I'm pretty sure that that's what's going to happen. Didn't they they advertise that the reveal was going to be like two pay per views ago, and then like nothing happened? Right. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. But hopefully, won't be fooled again. Yeah. So then next we had the Undertaker's music hit, 
everyone knew exactly what it was when it happened, yeah. but the yeah. announcers played it up like The Undertaker was there for a little bit until uh, Corey Graves was like, oh, come on, this is Dolph Ziggler. So yeah. Dolph Ziggler comes out to The Undertaker's entrance. Um, he talks about how uh, anyone can hobble down to the ring and act like a zombie, taking shots at Taker that no one really does on WWE TV. But, right. Uh, you know, the Ziggler stuff, I thought, can be cringe or but I sit through it just wondering where it's going. Uh, I mean, you knew it was going to be Bobby Roode coming out eventually, but, uh, sure. you know, just kind of seeing what he says. But anyway, he, he starts ranting. Bobby Roode comes out. Uh, Roode puts over Ziggler, saying he's an amazing talent, but also a hypocrite. Just came across as one of those over-scripted things that Roode wouldn't really say. Um, he... He challenges Ziggler to a match at Hell in a Cell. Uh, Ziggler says that Rude is everything wrong with WWE, but he accepts the challenge. Uh, he says he's going to rest in. Rude put the finger up and said it'll be gl- glorious. I don't know. I just, uh, I like Rude. I, I, I think he's miscast as a babyface, and I just don't see this. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't, it, it gives Rude, you know, something to do, but. It didn't do much for me. What'd you think? Uh, I'd like the end. You just alluded to it where Ziggler was doing the whole rest in peace bit and Rude cut him off and then did his glorious bit. You know, uh, I really like that. Um, I actually, one of the things, and this is going to sound weird, but the thing that really stood out to me during that segment was Ziggler's facials. I mean, this guy just looked, I don't want to call it demonic, but he certainly looked like a real a-hole in this. Like he he had the stare of death in his eyes. So he's playing that part really well. That's what got me invested in this. Was it the best promo ever? No, but you could clearly tell that Ziggler is playing this this heel role very, very well. And so uh, I actually, I would give this about a seven and a half out of 10. So maybe scoring this segment a little bit or a lot higher than you. Yeah, you know what? I, I actually agree with that. I thought Ziggler... Uh, was the strong point of this segment. And, I mean, did, uh, you, did you see him when he was kind of posting up on the turnbuckles, just kind of giving that death stare to Rude? And it was natural. It didn't seem like he was acting. Exactly. And Ziggler, yeah, I'll, that's true. This whole segment, he didn't feel like he was acting where Rude came across as a little scripted and kind of out of his element a little bit. I think the the babyface thing's a little new to him, like using this glorious thing as a babyface character. Uh, he doesn't seem quite comfortable with it yet. No, but he could keep the glorious character and just easily, easily do that heel turn. I mean, that's going to come so natural to him. But you're not going to have two heels going up against each other right now. And, you know, I I don't blame WWE for bringing him in as a face. But I think that within the next three to six months, we'll probably see that heel turn. Yeah, I think think that's where the money is with him down the road. But, yeah, I I agree because he was going to get the pops anyway just with the, the entrance. So. It, yeah. it, it does make sense to have him as a baby face right off. Yeah. Um, then we went to the main event, Sami Zayn uh, versus Kevin Owens. Was it, I think it's been a, two years. Has it been a year or two years when they had the match? I think it was at Hell in a Cell. Uh, one of those pay-per-views where they said it would be the last time that they'd be facing each other. <laughs> <laughs> the last time ever this week. It was such a weird, it, that was such a weird step that they added to that pay-per-view match. Cause I think everyone knew that as long as both people are in WWE, they're going to, face each other a ton of times and they have since then sure um they went to this it was a a little different than their other matches in the sense that it uh it told more of a story uh you know at the end 
Uh, Owens uh, hit him with the with the power bomb on the apron, and uh, and that was it, right? That was it. Was it a countout or a DQ? I'm, I'm a double I, countout or a DQ? I, I think it was a DQ. It was a schmoz finish. I mean, the, it was really irrelevant what the actual finish right. to the match was. It was all about what happened afterward. But what did you think about? Uh, WWE having uh, that segment with uh, Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan where Zayn is saying, you need to talk to Shane, make sure he does not interfere. This is something that I need to do. That you know, That's the ultimate heel play, uh, face play. I wouldn't expect anything less from Sami Zayn. Uh, but still, I thought that that added a little bit to it. But still, you knew, regardless of, of how that conversation was going to end, that obviously Shane McMahon was going to wind up there one way or another. Yeah, no, I really like that because I think as soon as you heard the match was announced, you figured Shane was going to come in and either cost Kevin Owens a match or cause a DQ. And so when Sammy said that, then you're like, okay, well, how are they going to use Shane now? How is he, what's he going to yeah. do in this? And so it added a little intrigue. And uh, so I like that. And and yeah, and and with this, Owen just Owens just beats the crap out of Sammy after uh, the you know paramedics help Sammy up. They start taking him to the back, and he gets attacked again wraps the chair around Sammy's neck and looks like he's about to ram him into the post. And that's when Shane came out. Um, you know, one thing I always gripe about, and this is just wrestling today. And this is, they, they do this, you know, a hundred times a week, but when they hit their entrance music, I think it's just makes it feel so unorganic. You know what I mean? Like when Shane's music hits, if you really think about it and maybe I'm overthinking, it, but that means that Shane is going up to the music guy and be like, okay, I'm going to go out right now, hit my music, and he goes out. And uh, as, as if he just ran out without any music, it makes it look like it, it's more, you know, it's just one of those things that always bothers me with music now, that they always have to play the guy's music when they come out, even when it's supposed to be a impromptu uh, run-in or a, uh, you know, a save or, or something like that. Yeah, but without that music, you're never going to get that pop that always comes across so well, whether you're there live or on TV. I mean, that's the thing you hear. Here comes the money, and it's, you know, the place goes yeah. bananas, you know. So without that, if he was just to do a run-in, it would be kind of like that slow pop. Like, who, especially the people in the nosebleeds would be like, who, who is, is that Shane? Is that, that is Shane. Yay! Yeah. You know. So it would be kind of a slow thing, but that's why they play the music. But I agree with you. Yeah. Don't overthink it. It's WWE. Everything's, <laughs> know. you know, big, larger than life. But I, I agree with you. I, yeah. yeah. I, I just think when you're doing the realistic kind of beat down, you know, uh, those kind of things. Uh, like when Stephanie came out after Vince was attacked, it would have taken a, a lot out of the segment if she came out and her music hit. But uh, That much is definitely <laughs> true. Anyway, uh, nitpicking, but uh, really strong. I thought it was great stuff. And uh yeah, Owens and Shane. What do you think? Uh, what do you think they do there? I, th I, I mean, you hit this at the top of the show that whenever a McMahon's involved, it's all about the McMahon. So, I mean, I definitely could see Shane going over here. I'm not sure that it would necessarily be the end of the feud, despite the fact that it is hell in a cell. You, you got to figure that there's going to be more coming. Um, damn, that is a good question. That is a good question. I know that there's going to be some sort of big brawl between the two next week. There has to be. But as far as where it goes after Hell in a Cell, I'm pretty sure, I mean, it's going to go for at least another couple weeks after that, man. You think so? 
I, I, hell, man, I'm torn. Yeah, Shane, usually with his matches, that's usually the end. Uh, I can't remember the last time you had a match and then the feud continued. It's, it's definitely not this run, um, you know, maybe when he was at, with WWE before that. But usually it's, usually that's the, the blow off. They don't do a series. It's been a while. So. Yeah, well, you're probably right. Where could they go after Hell in a Cell? I mean, that is, that is a big blow off. I, I don't know. Who do you see coming out on top there? I think Owens. I think he just got to do it. Um, it 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 doesn't do much good to have Shane. There's there have been some people talking about this leading to Owens and Triple H, um, as Triple H being the next one of the McMahon family to kind of go for the revenge. And I don't. That's definitely not the worst idea because there's not many other uh, built-in programs for Triple H if he's going to do a WrestleMania match again. God knows SmackDown could use that big name at the moment. Get some more viewers. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what about Jinder and Nakamura? Where do you see them going with that? Uh, I hope that it's the end. Uh, but, you know, there's <laughs> going to be a rematch clause. So how could it possibly be? Um, I, I'm not sold that Nakamura wins this, man. That Like, that's the funny thing. I can't stand having Jinder with the belt. Like, he's so much better than when he was with three-man band. But... I just, to me, he's not the best choice for champion, but I'm not sure that that he loses the strap here, man. And if he doesn't, where do you go with him? I mean, that's two straight victories over Nakamura. Um, I mean, who else? Who else would you go with? Uh, AJ's kind of in the U.S. title field. I guess he could drop it and 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 uh, and, and move up, or or Bobby Roode, but just seems like there's no natural names to feud with after this. Well, okay. Well, let's, let's think about this. Do you plug Kevin Owens then into that role? And then once that feud is done, do you then inject triple H into, uh, into that feud? Well, if they're not going with triple H, I think what, what I think would help give a little spark to SmackDown would be to have Nakamura win the title and Owens be his next challenger. Uh, you, you put Owens over strong in the cell. Uh, so, he, you know, he, he's like a top guy. And then you got Nakamura and then you got a, a real uh, top program that people could get into. Um, Here's my concern just from a business standpoint. And this probably is going to be an unpopular opinion. But just think about this for a second. You and I are, you know, P1s for WWE. Okay, we are the target demographic. We are super consumers. I mean, look at us. We're sitting here talking about it on a Wednesday <laughs> afternoon um, on a wrestling site. The average WWE fan is not that. I'm not sure that the average WWE fan quite yet knows what to make of Nakamura. I think that when you push these guys that we've had our eye on for years and, and have been following in New Japan and you bring them in and you realize you know, just how special of a talent he is, that's great for you and I, but that doesn't always translate to the WWE universe. And I think that that's possibly what's eroding TV ratings. Uh, that's possibly also what's eroding live attendance. So while it's playing to you and I, it's not necessarily connecting with the other 95% of, of the fans. No, absolutely. And I think um, we've actually talked about that before, where a lot of times the pops you hear for some of these guys, uh, it's from a harder core fan base and that doesn't necessarily translate to the larger viewing audience and one of the mistakes i think they've been making with nakamura over the last few weeks with gender's promos and you could tell that's coming from vince you could tell vince probably thinks nakamura's facials are a little silly 
And yeah. uh, but when they do those, you know, the you know, gender making fun of Nakamura's facials, the people that don't know Nakamura really well, I could easily see them going, "Oh, he is kind of right. That is a goofy looking face. He does <laughs> make goofy face." You know, like it, yeah. it 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 has the wrong effect as opposed to. Uh, putting heat on gender, getting people to be like, well, yeah, Nakamura is a little silly, you know, I, yeah. I, I could, I could see it having just a, a negative effect as opposed to staying away from the negatives and building them up, you know, and, and, and not point stuff like that out. It's like, you know, remember Hulk Hogan, uh, his WWE run, they never brought up the fact that he was bald, you know, never. <laughs> right. I, I think he had to wait till WCW before people used it. You know, I think Piper used it, but that was about it. But you would not make fun of your top guys like that in, in a way where there's some truth to it. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And I also wonder, you know, if you have two so unique guys in this feud. I mean, Nakamura is still a wild card. I would say that familiarity-wise, a lot of the WWE universe obviously knows his name, but they're, you know, they still don't grasp truly who he is like we were just talking about. And then you also have Jinder Mahal, who to me still is like, holy crap, this guy came out of nowhere and they put the title on him. So you you don't know what to make of these two guys. And so you put them together in this blender and you're like, I don't know what this is. So I think that if you were really going to elevate one or the other, you need to put them in there with, with a traditional, more established guy at this point. Putting those two together at this point, to me, is not what's best for business. And that's where I think uh, Jeff Hardy, granted, now he's injured probably out till after WrestleMania. But that's where he would have done great in a role like that yeah. to get to yeah. build a new start. Um, so that being said, on SmackDown, is there someone that you see that that does kind of appeal probably to the mainstream audience as well as the, the smart marks, you know, and, uh, yeah. and uh, because it, it's, it's hard to tell right now with who they've got. I mean, rude, Cena was it, an easy one. Rude, but it has to be a heel. Um, that's, that's the only way. I mean, he's still a relatively unknown name, but he has that kind of classic look that, you know, with the, with the, you know, another three month rub or so he could really connect, I think. Um, but it has to come natural. It has to be in that that heel persona. But then, you know, if you want to really analyze it, do you want a super heel when you already have one in Kevin Owens? Like, man, I mean, if you had to, you know, put a gun to my head right now and ask me, I would have to say it's going to be Kevin Owens. Um, but hell, man, I, I don't know that that there's just a lack of super superstar talent right now. Yeah. I mean, what you could always do is you plant the seeds because it's it's October, you know, when Hell in the Cell takes place. So it's early to be building a Triple H match. Right. You plant the seeds, this Triple H coming out to do the save for Shane, then go to, you know, Nakamura and Owens, have Owens eventually beat Nakamura for the title and then build that Owens uh, Triple H feud, you know, with the title involved. It, it, yeah. You know, it, it'd do them some good. But I agree. I mean, imagine if they did the gender push with Bobby Roode and Jinder's place. Yeah, you know, if if they had brought Bobby Roode up to the main roster right after WrestleMania, and uh, and done it that way, I mean, you know, you'd probably have a whole different interest level in that in that top spot. Absolutely, I agree with you. Let me let me ask you this before we move on to two hundred five live and and make it the Zoe show. Um, what are you hearing as far as Triple H and Kurt Angle? Because I know that that was at least talked about for a little while. And so obviously, if Trip comes over and does this thing at SmackDown, you can forget all about Kurt Angle and Triple H on Monday nights. What I've heard is that that was never in the works for SummerSlam. That was just a rumor. 
even when I talked to Angle, um, you know, I, I interviewed him for the site a few months ago. He he made it clear that him wrestling him wrestling is not going to happen anytime soon. I don't know if it, uh, you know, it, it will before. If he does, it'll be at WrestleMania for sure. sure. Um, but I don't know if they really, you know, they're gung ho about having him wrestle. Um, I mean, from where he when he came in, why wait a full year where he's a year older as opposed to trying to get some mileage out of it earlier? Um, you know, when he's a year younger. So true. But I mean, can you put a guy in the hall of fame and then put him right back in the ring? I mean, typically the hall of fame is reserved for guys <laughs> whose careers in the ring are, are finished. So, right. well, you just said it. So wouldn't that suggest that his career is finished? <laughs> yes, but it's WWE. It's pro wrestling and never say never. Yeah, eh, that's true. But I think there's only been, uh, I think Jerry Lawler's probably the only hall person that went into the hall of fame and wrestled after, um, I can't think of anyone else because Ric Flair did the night after the Hall of Fame, uh, and that was his last WWE match. Yeah, but you all knew where that was going. I was there for right. that. That was pretty pretty incredible. Yeah. Eh, well, whatever. <laughs> all right, 205 Live. Uh, Enzo opens the show. Um, makes a great point that he had said that if any of the cruiserweights touched him, uh, they wouldn't be able to get a title shot. And it wasn't just Neville because then they showed the clip of after Raw went off the air and all the cruiserweights beat up on Enzo. Yeah. So he said that, you know, everyone beat up on me, so I don't have any challengers. So I'm just putting the belt on ice. He came out in the, he came out in the crutch. And uh, that was kind of it. Uh, what do you think? And what do you think uh, of Enzo as cruiserweight champ? Uh, I like it. I mean, obviously, they need to get some more interest in 205 Live. They need to be careful with the Enzo character and having him jump the shark. He still gets a pretty decent reaction with the crowd. And so I'm not sure that despite the chatter in the IWC that, you know, Enzo is, you know, Dunsky, you know, his, his act has grown stale. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case. So to have him, who's a name who is super popular on the main roster, I have no problem with it whatsoever. And frankly, I'm kind of enjoying this heel turn a little bit just to see a new side of him. My only problem, Raj, with this is that he just went from being this super baby face on Raw and getting attacked by Big Cass. And now here we are, what, like a month and a half, two months later. And now he's he's this heel in 205 Live. That's my only gripe. Other than that, A-OK -okay with me. Yeah, I think him being a heel really freshens him up. It's one of those things where... If you know, if they hadn't been beating up Enzo every week and then put him as the cruiserweight champion, uh, I wouldn't have as much of a problem with it. And in fact, I think it freshens it up. But the fact that they made him look like such an ineffective loser for forever, uh, like to where he gets no offense in, uh, you know, his spot at SummerSlam, he gets out of the cage and immediately just booted. He didn't even get yeah. a punch or anything. In. Yeah. So they made him look so ineffective. So it's that fine line of do you want to have some prestige to the cruiserweight title, which that might be out the window anyway, before this even happened. Um, but now it's, it's more interesting. You, you're more likely to tune in. Enzo's promo had more uh, heat than any promo I've seen on 205 live. No doubt. So, I'm sure that that has to do with name recognition more than anything. Um, but I think that he's playing the character pretty well. It's so parallel to the stories that you hear about him backstage, you know, outside of storylines, you know, just how he carries himself in that locker room. The fact that he's got this, this friction now with the entire roster and he's carrying himself as, as an elitist. I mean, 
that's kind of uh, where uh, art is imitating real life. Yeah. And I, you know, you know, when we were talking about history repeating itself and with the brand split, um, I, I think Enzo is great in this role. And I think him as a heel, it's, it's entertaining and it does add a big spark to 205 Live that it didn't have before because it was just, it was just dying. Um, how much offense do you see him getting in? I, I know that we'll talk more about him at the end of the show, but how much offense do you actually see him getting in here? Because even when he won the title, I mean, it was, it was with the low blow. Yeah, I, I could see him getting more than against the main roster, but um, I would say, you know, keep it on him for a bit until, until it until the interest wears off. I would yeah. not make this a quick title reign. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he got he got heat. He's getting a reaction, and and the fans, you know, they were into Neville on Monday night, and uh, I don't know. I think it. Ultimately, it's probably a good thing for the division in, 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 this, in the sense that people actually care about it, even though the guy that got his ass kicked weekly on a weekly basis is now the champion. Do you ever see him successfully becoming a full-blown heel? Because, I mean, you still see his wigs in the audience and you see him, you know, playing it up with the kids as he's, you know, cutting his promo coming down the ramp. That's not exactly heel behavior. Yeah, but uh, you you hear the he got the crowd to turn on him in that promo. I mean, they were booing him by the end. I love so, that you deserve it. How he, how, yeah. <laughs> how he turned that around in that, that, that backstage segment, you know, that was, yeah. that was great. I think Enzo, I think Enzo could pull it off. I think mm -hmm. he knows where his character is supposed to be. And I thought he played it to a T and he's a natural at it. And it yeah. doesn't seem like he's acting. So, and those are the best heels. So I, I think he could pull it off. What was after that? Uh, Tozawa versus Tony Nese. You want to talk about the opposite. Tony Nese, when he comes out and counts his abs, is like, see, that's why I'm the best. It's just so lame. Um, <laughs> it's not even like, it's like change the channel lame. Like, yeah. But um, yeah, you know, and then sadly, you know, this is kind of what 205 Live has been. A lot of non-interesting stuff, even though you got talented athletes. And uh, yeah, uh, Tozawa won that one. Um, any reaction to that? No, uh, at the beginning of the show and the end of the show is all that's relevant to me. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. And yeah. no offense to the talents in the middle, but I honestly don't even remember a whole hell of a lot what happened there. I agree. I, and I felt the same way. The next thing I remembered was Enzo and Davari, and Davari kissing up to Enzo, uh, you know, saying uh, that he only attacked Enzo because he got into that mom mentality. Uh, and he wants to be aligned with Enzo, you know, ho hoping that it'll lead to a title shot. Uh, Enzo said that, you know, he, he would be in his corner tonight. Uh, Dabari shakes his hand, says, how you doing? <laughs> Enzo says, never say that again, which got a pop. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, probably the most entertaining backstage segment on 205 Live since they started. No doubt. No doubt. Um, then we had some stuff with Rich Swan, and TJ Perkins. Uh, TJ Perkins, Lindsay Dorado wrestled. Uh, or they were going to before he could get in the ring. Rich Swan came in, attacked Perkins. So this feud must continue. And then the main event, uh, Neville versus Arya Davari. Oh, I, there was another backstage segment with Jack Gallagher and, and Brian, uh, uh, Brian Kendrick. But yeah, the main event, Neville versus Arya Davari. Uh, and Enzo was in Neville's, I mean, uh, Davari's corner. 
Neville won by a submission, and Enzo afterwards jumped Neville and just beat the crap out of him with the crutch. I thought, great heel move. He did it well. It, it was yeah. totally viable. Uh, what'd you think? I, I like that. And uh, I was honestly wondering if, if Zoe was going to go after Davari as well, but uh, not on this night anyway. Um, but I, I love I love the fact that Zoe just snapped and like he just beat the crap out of Neville with the crutch, man. Like I'm on board with that. Absolutely on board with it. I thought that I thought it was great. And then mm -hmm. him saying uh, him yelling to the crowd, oh, you don't want to cheer now and mocking that you deserve it. I thought it was. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. I like where I like where they're going with him. I still maintain, despite the fact that a little bit of the crowd turned on him, he's never going to be that complete heel. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it'll be like uh, be kind of like Bray Wyatt. <laughs> yes, you know exactly. Well, yeah. So that was SmackDown 205 Live and a little Hell in the Cell uh, prediction thing. Oh, one more thing. Who do you think gets uh, Orton versus Rusev this time? Uh Orton. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go with Rusev on this. I think, I hope, because <laughs> I think there's just so much value in Rusev, but I could easily see it being Orton. We'll just have to see how it plays out. And uh, I assume that we're wrapping up here, but real quick, Paige coming to SmackDown. How quickly do you see that happening? How much of an impact will she have immediately on that women's division and hopping in the title picture? Uh, well, she's cleared. So whenever they want to bring her, but you know, Summer Rae's been cleared since WrestleMania, and, well, and they <laughs> use her. But Paige is a different story. Um, I think she'd make an impact right away, and I think it would be a mistake to not put her in that uh, you know women's title picture. Um, uh, Natalia versus Paige. There's just something with that, uh, you know, like. Again, to me, I think the money's in Charlotte as a heel and Paige as a babyface, and sure. that would be the the money feud. But I think Natalia and Charlotte are booked to wrestle for the next month or two. So I don't know if they just bring Paige back and have her, you know, in the background or hold off until the Charlotte Natalia thing has run its course. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, look, I don't have a problem with the Charlotte and and Natalia feud at all. I mean, one of my favorite matches of all time was when they were on NXT and Rick was in Charlotte's corner and Brett was in Natalia's. Like that was a match of the year candidate in my eyes. Yeah. And that that goes for all the matches that particular year. So, from an in-ring technical standpoint, very much like this feud, the roles just need to be reversed. Throw Paige in there as the babyface, put her against Charlotte and you got yourself a money recipe for more viewers on Tuesday nights. Absolutely. I agree 100%. All right, Chuck, thanks for, very much for joining us this week. Where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on the Twitters at Chuck Carroll, WLC, and then uh, check out my weekly column on uh, CBS Sports, syndicated to all CBS-owned and operated TV and radio station websites. So uh, just Google, Google uh, my name, and, and you guys will find them. Yeah, you Google his name on our site and you, you'll find him. He does a lot of great stuff over there. So definitely check it out. Chuck, Watch thanks that. for joining us. And then uh, we'll be back Monday night. Myself, Ben Rubenstein, Matt Morgan for the Post Raw Wrestling Podcast. Until then, everyone take care.